It's July 2nd. How the f*** is it already July? This year is going really fast. Well, tons have happened in the Britney conservatorship story. A lot of stars, a lot more stars, I should say, are speaking out. And a lot of movement in the case as well. Yes. Bill Cosby is out of jail. Let alone Britney's conservatorship is still going on. It's just a lot going on today. Let's chatter and chill. Let's do it. So, what has all now developed with Brittany and that whole entire saga? Well, let's start out with the fact that Christina Aguilera has spoken. Yes. And this was a long-awaited response. I can only presume because when you think of teen pop from our childhood, the two names that come to mind immediately are Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. Yes. They were peers in an industry that the media turned them into rivals because mm-hmm. the media loves to pit women against each other. Oh, yeah. So here, it, I'm going to actually read her full quote because I think it's a very good quote. And this is Christina Aguilera's quote regarding Britney Spears. Quote, These past few days, I've been thinking about Britney and everything she is going through. It is unacceptable that any woman or human wanting to be in control of their own destiny might not be allowed to live life as they wish. To be silenced, ignored, bullied, or denied support by those, quote, close to you is the most depleting, devastating, and demeaning thing imaginable. The harmful mental and emotional damage this can take on a human spirit is nothing to be taken lightly. Every woman must have the right to her own body, her own reproductive system, her own privacy, her own space, her own healing, and her own happiness. While I am not behind the closed doors of this very layered and personal yet public conversation, all I can do is share from my heart on what I've heard, read, and seen in the media. The conviction and desperation of this plea for freedom leads me to believe that this person I once knew has been living without compassion or decency from those in control. To a woman who has worked under conditions and pressures unimaginable to most, I promise you she deserves all of the freedom possible to live her happiest life. My heart goes out to Brittany. She deserves all the true love and support in the world. Unquote. Amen, Christina. And out of everybody who has released a statement, that was one of the least narcissistic, most poignant statements made. Didn't hear anything about their relationship. All, all it says here was, this person that I once knew. That's it. Yep. We didn't hear, regardless of what happened to between me and her in the past, Justin. Justin. I liked what she said. Yes, that, that's, that's your statement that you want to hear from people that were big stars at the same time that she was. And then, she's not the only one who has spoken. Iggy Azalea came out with a statement because she worked with Britney on the song Pretty Girls back in 2015. So it's been a hot minute. Yeah. But she has some insight as to what it was like to work with her. And I will read her full quote too because she has some things to say. 
She says, quote, it's basic human decency to, at the very least, remove a person Brittany has identified as abusive from her life. This should be illegal. During the time we worked together in 2015, I personally witnessed the same behavior Brittany detailed in regards to her father last week. And I just want to back her up and tell the world that she is not exaggerating or lying. I saw her restricted from even the most bizarre and trivial things, like how many sodas she was allowed to drink. Why is that even necessary? Her father conveniently waited until literally moments before our Billboard Music Awards performance when I was backstage in the dressing room and told me if I did not sign an NDA, he would not allow me on stage. The way he went about getting me to sign a contract sounded similar to the tactics Britney spoke about last week in regards to her Las Vegas show. Jamie Spears has a habit of making people sign documents while under duress, it seems, and Britney Spears should not be forced to coexist with that man when she's made it clear it is negatively impacting her mental health. This is not right at all, unquote. And when asked by fans if breaching this non-disclosure agreement would result in her getting sued, she pretty much said she didn't care. It sounds like she spoke to a lawyer and she was coerced to sign this document or she couldn't get on stage with Britney at an award show that was pre-planned. And I mean, the saga continues. Listen to this part. Britney's dad claims that he is not responsible for keeping Britney from having children and getting married or what have you. Uh But that the current conservator, Jody Montgomery, who was appointed in 2019 after Jamie stepped down after 11 years, is responsible for those decisions. But Jamie, or I'm sorry, Jody Montgomery has responded and claims she is in full support of Britney's freedom to do as she wishes and says it's Jamie Spears' fault. It's a little back and forth between these two. And then this just happened yesterday. Bessemer Trust will resign as co-conservator of Britney Spears' estate, claiming the, quote, irreparable harm to her interests. Britney expressed in her testimony and her desire to end a conservatorship they say was represented to them as voluntary. They were under the impression that this was a voluntary conservatorship. It's actually not. Britney doesn't want to be in it. Though the judge made the decision to appoint them in November 2020, the firm had not yet taken action as co-conservator and received no assets from the estate. They had been awaiting formalization of the court's order to act, which had not been entered until Wednesday, I believe, is when that was entered. In short, this Brittany conservatorship is falling apart. Good. Maybe Brittany might actually be free. Right. Right. I, the only thing, One thing we've all been wanting to have happen. The only thing I'm worried about is that Jamie Spears gets 100% again. Oh, and then, of course, Jamie Lynn. Her. She spoke out. I don't know if we talked about that last week because I don't know if it happened before the show or. I don't know. All we I know is she, she whined on Instagram and was like, I support my big sister. And like, no, you tried to gain control of her conservatorship in 2018. Like, no. Just sit down. Just alone, take the L like, and take a the seat. The only reason you got fame on Nickelodeon was because you are Britney Spears' little sister. Even though, yes, I do love the show she was in. That's the only reason she was well, in. Well, Britney said she wants to sue her whole family. She didn't just say her dad. Yeah. So, there's, again, supposed to be some form of a hearing this month. From everything that I've gathered, it's going to be closed off to the media and the public so i don't know if we'll ever i'm sure we'll hear something but probably there is a lot going on 
as we continue to hope for the freedom that Brittany deserves. Yes. Someone who is actually free, and we can sit here and debate whether he should be. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, should he really be free? Well, Pennsylvania's highest court has overturned Bill Cosby's sex assault conviction. This is from the AP. After finding that an agreement with a previous prosecutor prevented him from being charged, the 83-year-old comedian has served more than two years in prison. He had vowed to serve all 10 years rather than acknowledge any remorse over the 2004 encounter with his accuser. The court ruled that the prosecutor who brought the case was bound by his predecessor's agreement not to charge Cosby. The court said Cosby had relied on that agreement when he later gave potentially incriminating testimony in his accuser's civil case. So basically, just to summarize this, a prosecutor asked Cosby for a deposition back in the day under the promise that he would not be charged with a crime if Mm -hmm. he came forward in his deposition. So he did come forward in his deposition in his deposition. A new prosecutor eventually came to take that old prosecutor's job and then charged him anyway. And then the Supreme court in um, Pennsylvania said, no, he was promised that he would not be charged. You cannot charge him. You can't say that you're not going to. And then you do. Yeah. And I don't know if that's considered immunity or what it's my understanding that like detectives lie to uh, per- persons of interest and suspects all the time to get information during interrogations and whatnot. But I suppose with a deposition, it's some sort of an immunity thing. Yeah. Regardless, over 70 women have accused Cosby, but he's free. Brittany's not, but he's free. Yeah. And that was kind of this whole entire big debate over the last few days. It's like the fact that he's free, but Brittany's not. It's the American justice system at work. <sighs> I suppose it's a technicality, and that's the way it is. But maybe that should be an indication that the American justice system needs reform. I mean, a lot of people have always been kind of saying that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I know. Makes people too much money. Yeah. So. So, back on Wednesday, you had Game 3 of the College World Series baseball between Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Mississippi State through a combined one hitter against Vanderbilt to win the championship. And now, the reason that this is so significant is because it's their first ever NCAA Division I championship in school history. Never won a championship in any other sport prior to Wednesday. Now, to put that in context, Arkansas leads the uh, SEC conference with 47 National Championships. Last in 2019. Women's track and field. And then overall in the colleges, Stanford leads at 128 National Championships. Their last two coming earlier this year in women's basketball and men's gymnastics. Ranking in between Stanford and Arkansas in terms of overall. You have UCLA at 119. USC at 110, and Oklahoma State at 52. So congrats to the Bulldogs. First ever national championship. Still cannot believe it's the first ever one in school history. Olivia Montree. I talked about her about a couple months ago. The 15-year-old who sued the National Women's Soccer League. Yes, I do remember her. Yep. So back on Wednesday, 
Is there a development in this? Yes, there is. Back on Wednesday. Uh, U.S. District Judge Karen J. Emerson granted a preliminary injustice prohibiting the league's age restrictions, so she was able to sign a three-year deal with the Portland Thorns. Off of a court injunction. Yes, off of a court injunction. So now she is officially the youngest player in NWSL history. Now, of course, you know, the league has said, you know, in their upcoming collective bargaining agreement, there is going to be talks about this whole age rule, because, again, it got a lot of backlash. But to go over Olivia's story really quick, in case anyone missed it, back in May, when I talked about this. Is it really all the way back in May? Yes. Uh, She's been training with the team since she was 13. She was offered a scholarship to the University of North Carolina at age 11. Turned that down uh, when she was 13 because she signed the media, uh, Wasserman Media Group to represent her. Signed a nine-year, six-figure endorsement deal with Nike. Her family moved from California to Portland. I want to point out also that nine years is a long time for an endorsement deal. A, a, a decade, it goes fast, but it's a long time. Yes. But also, um, speaking of like age restrictions, and some notable age, I guess, age restrictions here in other leagues. Major League Baseball, you have to be 18, 17 if it's internationals, uh, 19 for NHL and NBA. WNBA, you have to be 22 by December 31st of the year that you're drafted. And then the NFL, you have to be out of high school for at least three years. But um, I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her. Like, she's actually able... Because, you know, she's been... Like I said, she's been training with them since she was 13. She's done scrimmages with them. So, to actually finally be able to, like, play a regular season game with them kind of means a lot to her. And hopefully it signals some change. Well, I mean, with the injunction, it kind of does. But. Yeah. But like I said, you know, they're when they talk to their, the player association on a new like collective bargaining agreement, that's pro- this is probably going to be like the number one thing is um, looking into it. Because like I said, I know MLS, like, you know, obviously they have people under, like around her age that they sign. Right. Here as well, so... Well, it will be interesting to see how this continues to play out, yes. as I said before, when it happened, and see if there's any changes that happen all across the board. Yes. Flipping from sports to music again, as we always do. Yes. Music magnitude. Our wonderful music magnitude segment of the week. You used to do the music magnitude. Mm, I don't have that energy today, sadly. Uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, I don't know how to give you energy. But I do have a song you can check out. Is it, is it an artist that we both enjoy listening to? It is. It's Reed Deming's new song, Modern Love. It just came out today, actually. I would like to point out with Reed Deming, I don't know if I've actually covered any of his music no. on this show. but um, You actually have not. This is the first time. In 2012, he was on The X Factor <laughs> with Britney Spears. Full circle moment here. Yes. And uh, I thought he was pretty talented. And I followed his career ever since. So it's almost been 10 years, mm-hmm. which is mind blowing in itself. But 
the cool thing you, about you legit have watched him grown up. No kidding, because he was like I don't even know thirteen at the time. I think so. Maybe even younger than that. Cause I think he's only twenty two now. Yeah. But the thing about uh, the cool thing about watching someone grow up when they're in music is that you see their artistic evolution and how much they've grown from when they were 12 or 13 to where they are now in their early 20s. And he would sing songs that he would have less involvement in, and now he is fully 100% immersed in the music. Oh, yeah. He writes it, he produces it, he performs it. He works with other musicians. And the thing that I want to point out about Reed, if you haven't heard his music before, is that his lyrics are always very introspective. Most artists always write about experiences, but the way he does it, he presents it in a relatable fashion Mm -hmm. uh, for many other young people who may have also experienced the same kind of things he has, and everybody's looking for that song, that really shapes that moment, really shapes how it feels to experience that. And he does a very great job of articulating that through lyrics. He is a lyrical wordsmith. And I highly suggest the new song. I highly suggest his latest albums. He did an album with uh, one of his closest friends. And he also just released a solo record not too long ago. I mean, and he's experienced more in his short life than I have. I mean, he's already been married and divorced. He's been on the X Factor. He's experienced the ups and downs of the music industry. He's experienced the ups and downs of life. And he's able to articulate that all in in words and music. And I think it's a gift. So kudos, Reed, again, for another fantastic release. You continue to raise the bar every time you put out a new record. And always looking forward to what you put out next. Now to you. So, with it being July, of course, in two days as we are recording this podcast, it will be the 4th of July. Indeed. And there are a lot of kind of popular 4th, you know, like American type songs that people... I don't know. Uh, I mean, mine's personally probably my favorite one. And American Idiot by Green Day. It's kind of a criticism of America, though, isn't it? Yeah, not? I know. That's why I like it. Ah. Uh, it's a criticism of America. It's a criticism. If I remember correctly from growing up, it's a criticism of the Bush administration, which yes, was, it, the, this was, was the president at the time. More so criticism when Bush uh, got reelected. It's a criticism of the media. Yes, a criticism of like when toward the media and kind of the after fact of like nine eleven and all that stuff. And you but, know, musicians were bad influences for children. Oh How yeah, dare they? Especially Green Day. Geez. Yes, Billy yeah. Joe Armstrong with that black spiky hair. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, what about the children? Yeah, but this is the <laughs> top track and title track off of the album of the same name. Yes, album of the same name. A lot of people say that this song is actually probably one of their top popular ones. It doesn't get a lot of recurrent airplay, and I think the reason why is because radio won't touch it given the controversial subject matter. Yeah. I mean, you always hear Boulevard of Broken Dreams and Holiday. 
and Wake Me Up When September Ends. All off the same album. Yeah, all off of the same album, but you don't really hear American I remember anymore. that getting quite a bit of Airplane MTV, though, back in the day. That music video is kind of interesting, too. It's been a hot minute since I've seen it. I should go look it up. Yeah. But. Uh, for what it's worth, my favorite song to listen to on the 4th of July is Whitney Houston's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. I will say, I think my f- second favorite would... I- is like Fourth of July by Fall Out Boy. What other America songs are there? There's Fireworks by Katy Perry. It's not really an America song, but a lot of people like to play it on the Fourth. I was to say it's associated with the Fourth of July, but I thought it was more of a self empowerment anthem. I don't, hey, because baby, you're a firework. Even though come a lot on, of let people, your colors there's burst. a lot of controversy around American Idiot. It's kind of a song that gets played on the Fourth here. But anyway, so. Yeah, that that wonderful holiday's coming up. Lots of birthdays oh, right up in this. We'll get into that probably next week. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, birthdays. Um, but to cap off the show like we do every week, a little feel-good story. We need it. So Chris Paul, who has a long, luscious career in the NBA, can finally add the NBA Finals to this illustrious career because the Phoenix Suns finished off the LA Clippers in six games advancing to their first finals as a franchise since 1993. So basically they did this uh, in LA at the Staples Center, which is, you know, Clippers share the same home with the Lakers, against a team that conveniently Chris Paul actually played for here. I think it was his second team he played for because he played for the now pelicans but at the time they were called the hornets can you believe there's a team named after a pelican that's just wild like i said they used to be called the hornets back in the day then they got named to the pelicans well hornets seem really aggressive and pelicans don't yeah let alone a whole different color scheme. But Wait, anyway. do pelicans eat the fish? Are they the ones with the weird... Yes. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. I know, completely not relevant yeah, to this not, conversation. But. No. But like I said, um, in the article written by ESPN here, uh, they kind of say, in many ways, Paul was the most accomplished player in NBA history to have never appeared on the final stage, as he earned the most all-star appearances and all, all NBA selections Started the most playoff games and scored the most career points of anyone without a finals resume. Finals appearance on his resume. Because this has been the one thing that's been haunting him of like people saying how he can't make it. And he was sidelined, obviously, the first two games of the Western Conference Finals here uh, because of league's health and safety protocols. And then he struggled in games three and four, combining to just shoot 11 for 41. Found his game back on Wednesday. All my sports stories happened on Wednesday. <laughs> Going 16 for 24 from the field, 7 to 8 from three, while dishing out eight assists. So he basically balled out in game six. Because he was kind of, I guess, determined himself to get himself to the finals for once in his career. Don't know who they're going to play yet. Still have to figure out who's making it out of the East between the Milwaukee Bucks and Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Milwaukee just went up 3-2 in that series. 
we might get a Milwaukee Phoenix or, I mean, Atlanta's got to win too to get it in Atlanta Phoenix. But either way, a quote-unquote cursed city in like Phoenix, Milwaukee, or Atlanta will be winning the NBA championship this year. And that's got to make them feel good. Yes, that's got to make that city feel good. But uh, kind of, I'm definitely going to be very intrigued in the NBA finals this year, rooting for, rooting for Chris Paul like I did a few years ago when Andy Reid and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Because everyone made a big deal about Andy Reid reading the Super Bowl. How was like, you know, because he's just so loved around the league. Chris Paul is basically the Andy Reid of the NBA, I like to argue. Feel Good Friday. Feel Good Friday. Especially if you're in one of those towns. Yes. I hope you have a Feel Good Friday. I mean, I have to, I have to leave to go to work relatively soon after we get done. Don't recording. beat anyone up. I'm going to try not to. And we hope you have a feel-good Friday. Yes. And we will be back next Friday to... Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> to uh, chatter and chill some more. Maybe more updates in Brittany. Who knows? Well, at the speed that everything is going, more than likely. Might have an answer to who's playing Phoenix in the NBA Finals. Well, have a good one. See you guys.